Well, let me say this. It's so exciting to see so many different folk. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, last week we were there. Uh, how many of you were here last week? Got to hear. Okay, great. Uh, how many of you are excited to study First Thessalonians as a, as a book? Oh, gosh. Lord Jesus, help them. All right. How many of you are excited to study the Word of God? Oh, okay. Well, that was good. <laughs> All five of you. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. I know that there's something in the back of your mind. I shouldn't, I shouldn't yell out, but in this instance, you're more than welcome. Anytime I, I need an amen, Gloria, I'm expecting it from the back of the room, all right? First uh, Thessalonians is pretty exciting because Paul begins to, to kind of break down three things in the chapter that I think are imp- important to us. First of all, how do you model yourself? How are you a role model to those who suffer and those who are mistreated and those who are hurt and those who might be misunderstood. How many of you are misunderstood periodically? You guys are awesome. How many of you really are misunderstood? Sometimes you just know that you've had a conversation and people just walk away and they think differently than what you were trying to say, amen? How many of you are married? Okay. That happens sometimes, periodically, but not all the time. Sometimes we actually learn and grow. Let me say something here. Paul says this, and I think it's important for us. Remember what I shared last week, that Paul had been in Thessalonica. And in Thessalonica, he'd experienced great persecution. And he he realized that the one thing and the attribution that, that actually pushed him in a way in which he could overcome persecution was to get rid of the false idols in his life, return to the Lord, be holy, and stand for God. How many of you say standing for God is important? Yes, it's huge. And this is where we find ourselves, him reflecting now on what he said in chapter 1, reflecting on his time in Acts in Thessalonica and his time in Philippi. Verse 1. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. When God sends people into your lives, let me share something with you. You are the person that God sent into their life, and it's not vanity. There's no mistake in the eyes of God when he sends you to somebody else. I shared last week that the, that the man's name was Charles who helped me at the Delta, and I, and I realized, no, it wasn't. It was George. His name was George. George was sent by God to help me in the Delta line to overcome who I, well, what was happening to me, which was basically fear. God sends people. And he says this, I didn't come to you in vain, but even after we suffered, before we were spitefully treated at Philippi. So that's where I want to stop. How many of you have ever been mistreated? We we said this earlier. Some of you raised your hands. Turn with me. Acts. Chapter 16. I want to look at this really quickly. Acts 16 is really amazing because starting about the 11th verse, we see a story that they've sailed from Troas, they've gone right into Samothrace, and the next day they came to Neapolis. And from there they went to Philippi. In Philippi, we see that they, they meet up with a woman named Lydia. And she had heard the gospel from them, and she was a seller of purple 
from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. This means that she was a God-fearer. This does not mean that she was a Christian. Many people say they worship God. And you have to define what they mean by what, what they're saying. Do you really believe in Jesus Christ? who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to the Father. Not that they just worship God. She was in this city worshiping God. That means she would have gone to synagogue. She would have attended the local congregation. And this is what he says. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. What was Paul speaking? The gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ has come, died, and rose from the dead. And when she, she and her household were baptized, notice what happens instantly. She hears the gospel, and she didn't go through a nine-week course on baptism. What happened? She was immediately baptized, all her and her household. This is very important. Why? Because some of you need to be baptized. Some of you need to be baptized. And for those of you who need to be baptized, we want to give opportunity for you to be baptized. And we would like to give opportunity for you to be baptized before it's an iceberg in the Tay. Can I get an amen? amen. We're not going to do the loony dookie, all right? We're going to actually go down there and we will see baptism come forth. Um, and she begged us, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she, what? She invited them in. Now, let me say this. Paul's, re he's remembering this, but he's not only remembering that, he's remembering also the time, and he's telling the church this, hey, there was also a bit of trial that I had to go through. Do you remember that? And this is the, this is the spiteful treatment. Now, Lydia's treated them beautifully. And some people do treat beautifully in the Lord. But just as every trial comes to us in life, there will be people in your life who treat you spitefully. And this is the spiteful treatment that him and Silas got. They went to prayer, and there was a certain slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination, and they, she met them. She brought her masters who were fortune-telling, and, and, and the girl... She made a lot of money for them. And Paul sees this girl crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Do people in your city and in your workplace and where you go go, That girl, that guy, they're from God. They know it. They experience it. They, they, they recognize that person is a Christian. When I became a Christian... Everybody in my immunolaboratories where I work, they knew that I was a Christian. I didn't hide it. I didn't put it under a bushel. I put it on a, I put it on a stand to shine. Why? Because I wanted them to know who I was. And I wasn't afraid. He's done the same thing. He's laid his life before the situation, and it happens to be a woman possessed and what does he do? He casts the demon out of her. Miracles, signs, and wonders. And what happens to her? She gets free. What did we sing about today? Anybody? Hey, this is an open venue. I told you earlier. What did we sing about? Jesus. Thank you. Hearing Jesus' voice, what else? 
Freedom? Did I hear freedom? Did anybody say freedom? We sung about it, didn't we? What was happening in your heart when you sang about it? Were you like, freedom? Did you get out your William Wallace sword? What did you think? Well, in this instance, he proclaimed to her the way she recognized this man is a, a follower of the Most High God. And what she repents, she turns from her sin, she gets freed. And that hour, she what? She becomes a Christian. She follows the Lord. She calls on the name of the Lord to come out of her, and it came out of her. And then all of a sudden, people are upset with Paul. How many, how many of you realize that that's normal life? How many of you have worked in business and people get upset with you for what you do? How many teachers do we have in the room? If you're a teacher, if you're a teacher, if you're a teacher right now in this public school system, I want you to stand. Stand up. I know where you are. I know who you are. Stand up. I want you, I want you, now we're going to get active for a minute. I want you to pray over them for a minute. Just whoever's close to them, I want you to pray for them. And I want you to pray, encourage them. Why? Because they are standing for truth in a place that does not always have the truth. And sometimes they feel that they can't say something, or do I say something, or don't I say something, or am I in trouble if I say something? Let me tell you something, church. It's time to pray for them, to have a hedge of protection around them, to guard them, that they might be witnesses, so that people go, they're followers of the Most High God. Amen? Amen. So just, we're going to take two minutes. Two minutes. Just come around them. Pray over them. If you're around them, lay your hand on them. Lay your hand on them and pray for them. Those of you who don't want to pray over them, just sit quietly praying for them because they need your help. Father, we can't, we can't even imagine how glad you are when brothers and sisters pray together and are unified. So, Father, we pray over these teachers. We thank you for their lives and who they are and where they teach. God, you did not make mistakes you put them right where you wanted them. And Father, I pray that you would give them strength in this season, strength this new year, Lord, to really live out their faith well in the midst of their schools, of their classrooms, God, that they would have favor with everyone around them. And Lord, that people would look to them and recognize them for who they are and have the favor of the Lord on them and thank them continuously for who they are and what they do. Lord, we as a church, we applaud them. And we give you honor and glory for the high calling of reaching and loving a generation who need you so badly. And so God, I pray that, that in years to come, children will go, ah, I had so-and-so and they changed my whole life because they, they, they live differently than the world. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. You may see, be seated. You know what happens after you get spitefully mistreated? Well, I know what happens to Paul. Paul immediately responds by saying, hey, I want to tell you how we lived amongst you. This is what we did. 
And, and he says this, we have been approved by God. This is verse, uh, verse three. He says, for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness. He's talking about his love of God. And he says this, nor was it in deceit. We never lied to you. We always spoke the truth to you. We cared about what we did in your midst. We laid our lives down for the sake of you. This is, this is, this is Christianity 101, by the way, if you're taking a course. You give up your life for others. Jesus gave up his life for you and me. Now, notice this. He says this. He says, but here's how we do it. We have been approved by God. If you go into your classroom, you go into your workplace, you go to Teen Ranch, you go wherever you go, you need to understand something every day when you walk through the door, even to the church, by the way, because it's fallen as well. Here's the thing. You walk in and you have been approved by who? That's right. You've been approved by God, the one who created the SQAs, the one who, who established the, the general teaching councils, the one, who, the one who actually oversees the governments of the earth. You've been approved by God. Take a stand. He's the one that matters the most. He's the one who holds your hand, heart. He's the one who knows your trial. He's the one who knows your tribulation. And what does he say there? He entrusted the gospel so that what? We even, so we, we speak not pleasing men, but God. We don't need more man pleasers in this society. That's what Paul's saying. I'm here to do what God says, not what men say. Because men will always try to conform you into their own image. God says, I want to conform you. What does he say in Romans 12? To be conformed into the image of Christ. I think you read it, right? The reality is, that's what we do. So you don't have the choice to be afraid. Because God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you love, power, and a sound mind. The ability to deal with situations. And in this, he tests our heart. God tests the heart, not the man. When you're put through a trial, guess who's testing the heart? God. God tests the heart. And what does he want from that? He wants to analyze it. He wants to discern it. He wants to try it. You ever, you ever, how many of you bake? You're like, I'm bringing something for the barbecue. How many, have, what do you have to do to dough? You have to try it, don't you? What is trying? What is trying? Anybody know? Nobody can help me. You have, to, you, have, you have to test it, right? You have to make sure that it actually rises. You have to try the dough. At least that's how we, we, my grandmother used to speak about it. But she was from Galway, Ireland, so I don't know. But she, that's what she used to say. I've got to try this. Well, you know, if you think about this, God wants to try you. He wants to prove the dough. Does that work better for you? He wants to prove it. He wants to prove that he's going to come through for you even when you have doubt. Even when you're afraid. Even when you don't think it's going to happen, he's going to come through for you. Why? Because I want to prove it and I want to test your heart. The problem is we have a church that does not want to be tested by God. It would rather please man. And God will test the heart. This means that you have to stand with conviction. You have to stand with fortitude. You have to actually have to believe what you believe. If you don't believe it, I, I'll never forget this. My grandmother, she was four foot 11. 
And she was a beautiful woman to be reckoned with. Four foot 11, and I remember one time I was sitting there and I was trying to help her in the kitchen. I was probably eight years old. We'd, we'd visited Niagara Falls for, for a holiday, and I was there in the kitchen. And uh, then my, my uncle came into the kitchen, Uncle Bob, and then Robert, Robert McConnell, good Scottish name. And then, then my dad, Edward, came into the kitchen, and the two of them were chatting away, and I think my grandmother had just gotten kind of fed up. Ever done that? Ever had that situation happen? Too many? And she goes, there's just too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> And you saw my, my dad, I, this the first time I saw my dad just go, oh, the moment. <laughs> All right? And what did he do? He left. Probably went out to watch a Buffalo Bills game. But the reality is, when you think about this, sometimes, sometimes we need to realize that we need to be approved. But you know what? Sometimes we have to be the one person inside the kitchen cooking with conviction. We have to be that person who stands our ground when no one else does. Paul saw it this way. Silas saw it this way. And I would be a poor minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ if I just said, everything's going to go well for you. Everything's going to work out. We know we've been approved by God. We know that God loves us. We know that he cares for us. We know that he has great plans for us. We know that he wants to see us move forward. But, but let me tell you something. They paid a cost for making a choice to follow God. Are you willing to do that? What test is God going to send to you in which you have to come through? You ever wonder that? How many of you are like, please God, don't ever send me a test. I don't want a test. That's terrible. No tests. I just like it easy. It's just so nice. I can be like Nathan, like he was talking about last week. I can just smile all the time. Not true. I mean, it's great to smile, don't get me wrong. But you're not always going to have the smiles. For neither way at any time, verse 5, do we use flattering words. Don't sugarcoat it. We got enough sugarcoating. We debate too many words. Just say it like it is. We're not a cloak. We're not putting a cloak over us. We're not hiding anything. I don't need to hide in the corner. Either do you. You're a Christian. Turn to your neighbor and said, I'm a Christian. I really appreciate it. Some of you did that. Do it. Why? Because it's so liberating. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? We shouldn't be afraid of that. Paul says, I laid down my life for you. I just did. The gospel of God, I put down my own life. Why? Because you became dear to us. I want to say this. I missed you while I was away. You are dear to me. I'm like Paul. Sometimes. And I'm a sinner like him too. But the reality is I missed you. Why? Because you're dear to us. And when I want to say this, if you can live out the test, guess what? You'll be approved unto God. Right? You will, you will have a ministry of love, a real ministry of love. Not, not, a, not a, oh, I love everything. There was a big debate when I was a professor at Trinity about Jesus Christ dying for everyone. You can imagine theological debates. You love those, right? And I said this in the conversation that just shut the room up. I said, 
God didn't die on the cross to make you savable. He died to save you. And he knows your name. He knows vast numbers of people out here in the streets. And this is why we share the love of God because we've been approved by God. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit and we speak boldly. And here's what gets to happen when you speak boldly. Verse 16 of Acts chapter 16. Now it happened that the slave girl gets her, gets her wish. They come against Paul and what happens? He's beaten. This isn't like metaphorically beaten. You got brought into a meeting. This is stripes and lashes for the sake of the gospel. Verse 22, they came against them and they, what? The magistrates tore off their clothes. Can you imagine how embarrassing that might have been? Tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. Publicly shamed. How many of us are afraid to be publicly shamed? Really deep down. We deep down go, you know what? If he says... There comes a point in time in which we have to stand up and say, you know what? I'm, I'm done being worried about being publicly shamed. Because I've already died. I'm dead already. I had to go carry a cross. Jesus said, you've got to carry a cross every day. I'm dead. I, put my, I nailed my colors to the flag. Ever heard that one? I'm there. I'm done and dusted. It's no longer I who live, but who, who lives in me? Who lives in me? Christ. I'm done and dusted. So what happens? They get beaten. They're put into prison. And what transpires out of this great episode Verse 25. And if you ever wanted, if you ever wanted a lesson about how important attitude is, attitude, I always tell my kids this. I've, I've had this conversation when we drive to the school every morning, or not every morning, but I've had this conversation many times and I've said to them, and they, they hate it when I say it. But I say to them, attitude determines altitude. How far are you going to go and where are you going to go? Because your attitude is going to take you there. If you've got a negative attitude, guess what? You're going negative. If you've got a positive attitude, you're going positive. Guys, as Christians, should our attitude be positive? Why? Why? Why would we look different? Why would we be positive when we walk into difficult situations? Why? Anybody tell me? God is for us, okay? Anybody else? We're winners <laughs> in the end, right? We are winners, and we're winners right now. How about anybody else? Any thoughts? The battle has already been won. Very good. We will. We will stand before Christ. We will reign with Christ on high. How, is, how cool is that? Anybody else? We've got hope, right? We've got the gospel. We've got the good news. If you don't give good news to people, guess what they, do? they don't have? Good news. How many people are struggling with a lack of hope in this country? And the hard part is they put their hope in things that they should have no hope in. Last week, we talked about what idols we had. And somebody mentioned cars. I think it was Rod. Right? We have lots of idols that we put our... Hey, community, by the way, can be an idol. 
Because it presupposes that somehow those people are more important than God. God is God. And this is what Paul gets beaten for. And what happens? He gets put into jail. And what happens after he gets put into jail? What do they start doing with the attitude that they have? They start what? I've seen Jews at the Wailing Wall, by the way. And when they worship, they worship. They worship. They love worship. And they don't, they don't worship like us. And you can feel, I gotta worship. How many of you feel like that sometimes? How many of you dance around the house? I love that, Elaine. Thank you, guy. I appreciate that. Signal sign. Why am I not surprised? Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, listen. This is exciting because what happens? There's a sign and a wonder. Great earthquake. They're praying. They're seeking the prisoners. What happens? Singing hymns to God. When we sing the last song in five minutes, let's blow the roof off this place like we actually worship God. Right? Amen? Yes, all right. Simon's looking at me like, oh, no pressure, no pressure. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone in chains were loosed and the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep and seeing the prisoner doors, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword about to kill himself because he would have been killed anyway because he let the prisoner go under Roman law. And what Paul, Paul said with a loud voice, don't harm yourself. We're all here. This is what happens when Christians walk into a room. We bring life into situations. And when, when you're sitting around the coffee pot and everybody's in because I know that it happens. I worked in business. Shoot, I worked at the church. Guess what? All of a sudden, you bring life. You speak life. Amen? Amen? Hey, I like this. All right, keep going. All right. What happens? Sir, what must I do to be saved? People don't get saved by you saying nothing. And if you don't like me saying that, and you don't find that really good, and you found that offensive, sorry, Bible's clear. If you want to be one of those people that thinks they're, you know, that there's, there are hundreds of Christians running around this city who no longer come to church, and they always say the same ridiculous statement. I was wounded by the church. No, you weren't. You were wounded by fallen people who happened to be associated with the church. But that's not how God sees you. God calls you back. Let me tell you something. When you stand for God, people ask you, what do I have to do to be like you? Because you've got hope and joy and peace. You can dance before the Lord. Can you imagine? They might think we're crazy. But we're supposed to be different. Christians. 
You should look so different than everybody else. That people go, gosh, that's strange. Gosh, he's strange. I had a conversation. Well, I can't get into that. I'll get it to next week. I'll share that story next week as it matures and grows. But I, I am excited about what God is doing in the life of our church, and in the life of this country, in the life of this city. And I believe that God has great things in store. And just as everybody goes back to school, you teachers, God is going to use you so mightily. And it's going to be amazing. And we're going to see story and testimony next week. First week, testimonies. I'll put up a big slide. First week, testimonies. How many of you are excited about that? Because God has testimony in store. All right? So as we close, I want to say this. Paul did all this because he loves God with all his heart and he loves his neighbor as himself, but he also writes this. I long to see you. I long to be with you. And then he says in verse 19, what is our hope, our joy, our crown in rejoicing? It's you. It's you. It's actually, it's actually what? It's not even... You in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. It's a rhetorical statement. You're going to be in the presence of the Lord one day with me. That's what Paul's saying. How cool is that? We're going to be together. Some of you are like, okay. Right? I'm going to hang out with the Messiah. They're going to be freaking awesome. They're going to be doing this little thing, jumping up and down, and I'm going to be like, how do you do that? Right? Some of you are going to be going off to foreign lands and leading people to Jesus, and then all of a sudden, what? You're going to have a crown of glory. Why? Because we did it for you. For you are our glory and our what? Read the scripture. Do you have joy today? Let's pray for some joy. Can you get up here? And uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to pray for joy. How many of you want joy? How many of you are struggling with for joy? You want some joy. How many of you want some joy? Smile. Steven, stand up. Let's get some joy on that guy. All right. Right? Anybody want some joy? Eh. Anybody else? Everybody's like, no, no, this violates all my norms. Oh. You know, seriously, how, how, who wants joy? Who wants joy? Guy, get up and come on, stand up. Go find somebody who wants joy and then pray over them while we sing. Amen? Stand up, stand up. You three, stand up. I know you were brave enough. Anybody else? Any, anybody else brave enough? Anybody else? Taking one, two, three. Anybody else? Anybody else brave enough? Go for it. Let's pray over them. So if you want to make your way out while we sing, uh, let's go before the Lord. Amen? Amen. <laughs>